Welcome into Franchise Players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson. Joining us every Friday here in the triad on your TGI Friday lineup here on WWBG 1470 AM. You can catch us every Friday at 5 p.m. If you missed it, you can catch it on WTOB in Winston-Salem, uh, 96.7 FM and 980 AM. Loaded, loaded show today. David Glenn stopping by for his sports buffet bi-weekly uh, panel. We'll talk about the new college football playoff alignment, uh, the, the restart of the NBA season after All-Star break, and much, much more. Um, plus, we'll have Michael Davis on from Drop the Mic. We'll talk about the road to WrestleMania, and he'll have an Elimination Chamber preview. But first, I am so happy. We're at my alma mater right now, East Forsyth High School, and I'm so happy to introduce Taylor Williams, who is the very first women's wrestling state champion for a 165 pound uh, level correct uh, i've got her with us today and i have an exclusive interview with her what's going on taylor how you doing i'm doing good so i, I wanted to i know you've got uh, the athletic director alan plaster told me on my way in that you've got a tv station coming in and you've got a bunch of people you know trying to get at you and interview and things like that before we get into the segment that we're going to do today how's it how's it been since uh, this past weekend from the moment you won to now What's life been like as a state champion? Uh, it's been a lot of publicity, a lot of people, um, I guess, just trying to uh, get my opinion on everything. I've already had, like, three or four interviews. Yeah. I have another one coming up. I know uh, after I won semifinals, a Blueville coach came up to me, uh, said he wanted to talk over the summer after my sophomore year. Ooh. And... I got followed by this women's wrestling college, and they're scouting and recruiting for 2024. So it's opened up it's opened up a lot of eyes to what you can do. And uh, I didn't realize I asked you before we started. You're just a sophomore, so we got two more years of you here. Uh, any plans to repeat maybe next year? Uh, most definitely. Uh, I want to try to get to um, a D1 college. And I also want to try to Pacifica. I want to. I'm going to nationals this year, twice, uh, in April and in July, just to see where I can improve and how I stack up nationally to get me ready for college wrestling. That's awesome. Is there, are there any places college-wise that you're that are on your wish list right now that you'd like to go to? I know it's still early. Uh, I haven't really looked into any. I know there's a good college, Iowa State. Mm-hmm. I know they have a women's program. They're really good right now. But I wanted to. I want to look into more colleges instead of just some of the uh, the traditional colleges that people know about when it comes to wrestling. Taylor Williams here with us, state champion here at East Forsyth High School, um, first women's wrestling state champion uh, in state history. Since your match ended first on Saturday, you have that distinction forever. So congratulations for that. Um, I wanted to do our get to know you segment. Um, for those familiar with franchise players and Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we've done this on the pit stop. We've done this on the rundown. Uh, Bubba Wallace has been in this. Alex Bowman has done this before. Greensboro Swarm players have done this before. So you're joining in a very elite company, uh, Taylor, today doing this segment with us. And what we do, we try to do an interview that's a little bit different than the traditional, how'd you get into wrestling, uh, what's your favorite move, that kind of stuff that everyone else is going to ask you. We're going to ask you questions about you so we can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so as we cheer you on over the next couple of years, uh, your junior and senior year, we'll have a better idea of how you are off the mat. Does that sound cool? Okay, so this first question is going to set the tone for the entire interview. Um, I've, I've seen fights break out. <laughs> I've seen all kinds of things happen because of this. Are you team flats or are you team drums? 
Most definitely Team Flats. Um, oh, no. <laughs> my my brother, he agrees that drums is a lot better because it gives you more meat and you can... So, wait, wait, are you Team Drums? I think you said Team Flats. No, I'm Team Flats. I'm oh, talking about my no. brother. Okay. <laughs> but Flats, I, I, I don't know. I just like Flats better. What is it with Flats? I don't understand Flats, people. Like, it just... I don't understand it. The drums are so much cleaner. You can... You don't have to do all the work. Like, are you one of those... I've seen people where you can put... Like an entire flat, like your mountain, pull it out. With, oh, you all oh, that see? That's what it is. The, the flat folks. That's what they like. <laughs> like they'll do that kind of thing. Um, let's stay on the meal ticket here. It's lunchtime here uh, over at East. What's at, at, after a match? After a long, grueling match, uh, you've, you've been waiting all day. You finally get through your match. You've won your competition. What is your favorite meal after competing? Um. Usually, what I've been doing recently, just for something healthier, because I know my coach sat. He likes to eat a lot healthier and stuff. Usually, I'd probably get something like a steak or probably want wings or something. But recently, I've been getting... There's a place, I think... Uh, I don't know where it's at. Uh, I can't tell you, like, a location or anything. But there's this place called Kava. It's like a Mediterranean Chipotle. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's the chicken and, place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I get the... Uh, what's it called? I get the pita bread with the hummus. I get the regular hummus, and I get the harissa. Where is that? I'm trying to think of where the closest one is. I think, I think they they took down... What's it called? Zoe... Azos Kitchen? Or yeah. Whatever, oh, and yeah, they replaced it. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, I actually haven't tried that place before. Is it like, um, like rotisserie chicken? Or what, uh, like... It's not fried. No. It's kind of like a grilled type chicken. I think it's. I think it's grilled. It's this like. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I know they have like pitas that you can put stuff in. They have regular bowls. They have pita bread. Oh, okay. And they make their own different types of drinks and stuff. I like the cucumber one. Okay. I might have to check that out because I'm always looking for new places to eat. Lord knows I, I eat out way more than I probably should, but I need to start eating healthier. And I, They sound healthier. From the outside driving by, they look healthier, so I should definitely check them out. Taylor Williams joining us here, uh, state wrestling champion for the East Forsyth Eagles here on Franchise Players. Um, it's funny because the way the question's uh, phrased, it's uh, your favorite TV show as a kid, but you're a sophomore. You're still technically a kid, so what's your favorite TV show right now? Um... I've got well at, when I was a little when I was a little kid like elementary school middle school mm-hmm. I know I used to watch uh, watch a lot of what's it called uh, Lion Guard and stuff it's like a spinoff of Lion King oh, okay. I used to watch that I used to watch DC shows like The Flash and Ooh, okay so the okay. I got stuff. A, but now got a question for you later on then. ever since COVID hit I I think it was my it was my sister and my brother they're both. She one just turned thirteen, the other one's turning fourteen in September. They got me into anime. Oh, okay. And so I know Jujutsu Kaisen is a, is going really good right now. That's probably been my favorite one so far. Is Dragon Ball Z still a thing? Still- um, people uh, uh people know about it, but if you didn't really watch it back when it was really popular, most people don't really try to watch anymore because it's so long. Yeah, I was going to say it's so complicated at this point that it's probably hard to get in from the very beginning. I think if they revamped it and made it shorter, a lot of people will watch it. Oh, trust me. They'll, they'll, everyone, eventually they run out of ideas and revamp everything, so I'd imagine eventually we'll see a, a brand new Dragon Ball Z starting soon. Um, beach or mountains? Oh, that's hard because hmm. I'm, I'm actually afraid of heights and oh, open okay. ocean. See? So see? I think... <laughs> I think I'd probably pick. I think I'd probably pick the beach. Okay. Just because I feel like 
even if you're far away, you can get to stuff easier. And I, I think it's a better scenery than just seeing mountains and trees and stuff. I, I think if I wanted to live somewhere peaceful, I'd pick the mountains and stuff. But I think for the scenery and just to get out more, I pick the, uh, I pick the beach. Any beach in particular? Uh, no, I haven't been to a lot of beaches. I know I've been to Carolina Beach. Yeah, oh, that's I've been beach. to I think a different beach when I was younger, when I was a baby. Okay. But um, I don't really remember going to a lot of beaches and stuff. What's your uh, outside of wrestling? What's your favorite sport to watch? Uh, my favorite sport to watch is probably football. football. I used to play football, so okay, it's a really familiar sport for me. That so that leads me into my my question: Who is your favorite athlete of all time so far? Um, actually, my favorite athlete, I think, is in football, since in, we're on in, it. In general. in general. Yeah, just it can I be have, anyway. I have a lot, but I think the one I followed the most is probably Stephen Curry, because I like the Warriors, too. They're my favorite basketball team. Oh, okay. I've liked them since I was a little kid. We went to a Mavericks versus Warriors game when Seth Curry was still with the Mavericks because mm-hmm. we used to live in Texas. Okay. And my mom went to Arlington University. Uh, University, And so we went to that and she thought the Mavericks were going to win and I thought the Warriors were going to win. Yeah. So I've stuck with the Warriors ever since. And Stephen Curry is just a player I follow. You, okay, so you redeemed yourself in my eyes with the Team Drums, Team Flats comment without. Because uh, Steph, to me, Steph is one of those players where... I'm a Warriors fan, too. I'm really more of a bigger Steph Curry fan. Um, and in the NBA, especially now, for me, it feels like I follow players more than teams So because yeah. there's so much moving around or whatever. But with Steph, I watch Steph. I find myself watching Steph the whole game, even when he doesn't have the ball. Like, you know, because he runs constantly throughout the game. So it's just fascinating to me to watch him get open. And he, he probably runs four or five miles a game, just literally every play, just running, 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 running until he gets open and then he shoots it. And the dude's range is out the parking lot. Like, it's just. It's insane watching him. Have you seen his warm-ups before? Like when he's shooting from like the uh, like the crowd or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's he's different. I hope that he gets a chance to uh, come home like Seth did and play in Charlotte now at the end of his career. It's not going to happen, but we can always <laughs> we can always dream that maybe we can get him uh, here before it's over. Um, winter or summer? Which one are you? Are you a winter person or a summer person? I honestly, they're both my favorite seasons. I can't stand the fall and spring. Yeah. No, really. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, I think I picked the summer because I'm a summer baby. Okay. But I feel like I like the winter. It's really weird because I like the winter. And I just don't like when it's super cold. But I like I like the, I think the aesthetic about winter. Yeah. But I don't like how cold it is. Like the 20 degrees and stuff. I'm not a big snow person. Like, I mean, I can enjoy the snow. But if it's like... Like how it is in like some places like Michigan and stuff, and oh, other man. places where it just piles up twelve feet of snow, seven feet of snow, four <laughs> feet of snow. It's like no, that's enough. And, and then you, since East is an outside campus, I was like, if it snows this year and I have to walk to a walk uh, to my classes in snow, I'm not doing it. Well, you said you're from Texas, right? Mm-hmm. So you didn't really see a whole lot of snow to begin with. Mostly ice. Yeah. So when you moved up here, you, you moved at the right time. Actually, I think maybe y'all scared the snow away because we haven't had any snow in like two years. Uh, <laughs> the last time we had snow. I don't even remember the last time we had the snow. The last time we had snow. I think I was in seventh grade. Yeah. It was, I had my dog. And since he was a puppy at the time, it was the first time he had seen snow. And he loved uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, my dog loves it too. But it's so rare. And we're already in the end of February. And we haven't had we haven't had any ice like this, this winter. So 
Uh, global warming. Um, let's go back to the wings. I, I, I don't know why I always do these interviews at lunchtime because I always pepper in all these <laughs> food questions in there. Going back to the wings, what's your favorite hot wing flavor? Um, this always tells a lot about a person. Think about it now. I think <laughs> I like the. I went to. I forgot where I went, but I like these. I think it was something habanero wings. Oh, like mango the, habanero. That, mango I, habanero. You know what? Wings. Every time I ask that question, that's the number one answer. That's the number, and I never get it. I never get that flavor. Maybe I need to. What is it? <laughs> like, like a sweet um, kind of. Yeah, it's like sweet, and it's like it's not spicy to the point where you're like, oh, that's hot. It just has like, it's not like spice. It's not spicy, spicy, but it just has spice. Okay, it's a little bit of kick to it, like in the yeah. back. Um, I do like the sweet, kind of a kick to them type of flavors. I'm a garlic parm guy. Like I. That's my ghost. Garlic parm and lemon pepper are the two I go to the most. Um, TikTok or Twitter? TikTok. TikTok. What is it about TikTok that's so... Uh, I see my wife goes down these rabbit holes on TikTok for like days. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'll, be, I'll be watching something and I won't even realize how much time passes. But I think <laughs> TikTok is just easier to navigate and you can find so much more on there. Like Instagram is cool and all, but like you can go to the search and search something up yeah. and it'll show you everything except for what you look for. But same thing, well you can get the same thing on Twitter, but um, I mean, Twitter's kind of changed a little bit yeah. the past couple of years where it's not exactly, I got locked out of my account. Uh a couple of Saturdays ago, somebody figured out how to get into my account, and they started spamming Bitcoin stuff out of it, and I couldn't get access back to it. Twitter wouldn't believe that I was me. Like, when I sent in my stuff, they're like, well, we can't prove you're you, so we just suggest you make another account. I'm like, wow, really? And now, somehow, I go back to check. They've blocked me, whoever took my account over, and now I have a blue check mark, and I have no idea, <laughs> like, why, how that happened, or why all of a sudden I have a blue check mark, or why that account's even up still, but... Uh, yeah, Twitter's tripping right now. Um, you mentioned DC earlier in this uh, conversation. I love it because I'm a comic book nerd to heart. Um, and I actually wrote this question down here. If you could be any Marvel superhero, who would you choose and why? Um, I think, honestly, I'd probably choose Doctor Strange. Okay, that's a good one. Um, it, was a cl- it was a close one between Doctor Strange and uh, Iron Man, but... I think I'd choose Doctor Strange just because I think the thought of having that type of magic is kind of cool like Mm -hmm. if you need to do something extra I know it's a bad way to use it but like using the time (laughs) stone and like going back in time to have more time to do stuff I'd love to be able to do that I mean just avoiding trouble and stuff like if your mom like something simple if your mom tells you to do something and she's pulling up and you haven't done it or you realize what time it is and what time she says she'd be home <laughs> yeah. Just turn it back and yeah, get it done. <laughs> That's with uh, with great power comes great responsibility, though, right? Yeah. Um, and then final question here: since uh, you are still technically a student, Taylor, um, who's your favorite teacher so far here at East Forsyth? Um, now, I, I don't want to I don't want to cause any trouble. So, <laughs> the teachers that are listening, if she picks one, and it's not you. It's okay. So go ahead. Uh, I think it's really close. Uh, my coach is not included because I feel like that's a bit biased. Yeah. I think. My favorite teacher, I think, has to be, I think, Mr. Thomas and Mr. Santiago, because I had Mr. Thomas last year, and my coaches even told me he's not really one that's big on, like, following students everywhere, but when I think he saw the potential I could have for wrestling and stuff, and just as a person, and um, he's been helping me throughout this year. He's been 
monitoring me, helping me stay in check and stuff. And same thing with Mr. Santiago. They're both friends with my coach, Askia. So they know me uh, through him. But uh, I go and visit their classes sometimes. And we, I mean, I'm just grateful that they've been following me and stuff. Okay. And then I got another side of curiosity um, with you uh, wrestling. Do you watch WWE? Uh, no. No? Do you have any interest in doing things like that? Like, after college, we talked about, you know, you going on to wrestle in college or whatnot. And then after that, is there any interest in doing anything, like, in sports entertainment or something like that down the road? Um, I've, I've been... My uh, focus has been on the Olympics. Okay. But I would be... I'd be open to probably doing, like, MMA or UFC or something. Okay. Like yeah. It's just the only thing is that... I feel like I'd be so used to wrestling, I wouldn't want to take a hit to, like, the job. I was going to say, that's, yeah, that's a little different. That's a little bit more, yeah. yeah um, I think I'd probably stick with the Olympics, because some of those people be getting messed up. Yeah. Well, well a lot of, uh, it feels like now, especially in WWE, with their performance center and stuff down in Florida, they take a lot of uh, wrestlers, like, that that wrestled in college or wrestled in high school or wrestled abroad or whatnot and bring them in and kind of do them that way. And uh, the women's side in particular has exploded the past 15 years. So that might be an avenue down the road to follow, but definitely the Olympics. That's something huge. Um, what cycle are you looking at to maybe try to compete there? Because um, that one's the Olympics. The Olympics is in two years, so that's too too soon. Would be the cycle I think after. the 20 – I think the – Oh, uh, Summer Olympics is this either this year? I can't remember which. Well, this is twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty four. One of them is this year. Yeah, because they I, switch they, them off. Yeah, and I think they skipped twenty twenty because of COVID, and they moved it to twenty one, but it stayed at twenty four. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I think it is this summer. Um, so yeah, okay. Um, so that's Taylor Williams, brand new state champion, four A state champion uh, in women's wrestling. Won it last weekend here uh, for East Forsyth. And uh, I just wanted to say we're very, very proud of you. Uh, with me being an alumni here, I just hosted the Hall of Fame uh, Athletic Banquet a couple of weeks ago here at East Forsyth. Um, we do so much stuff here at East uh, Tobacco Road. Has been extremely grateful to, to Coach Plaster and all the coaches and staff to give us access to the players and uh, the coaches and the events. Um, we just did the East Forsyth Mount Tabor game last night. Uh, we won't talk about the results of that, but <laughs> but uh, and we're doing baseball and softball here a little bit later on. So just happy to have you in the fold. Congratulations, Taylor, and much much success to you going forward. Uh, and I look forward to watching you over the next two years. Thank you. Coming up, David Glenn. He'll come in and do sports buffet with us. We got a lot to tackle, a lot of stuff here. NBA, college basketball, and much much more. You're listening to franchise players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio and WWBG fourteen seventy AM. Franchise players are often referred to as the face of the franchise. Welcome back into Franchise Players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You can catch us every Friday as part of the TGI Friday lineup on WWBG, 1470 AM out in Greensboro. If you miss it there, you can catch it on WTOB, 980 AM, 96.7 FM at 6 p.m., on uh, in Winston-Salem. Joining us right now in his bi-weekly uh, joint through franchise players is David Glenn from the North Carolina Sports Network. You can follow his work at NorthCarolinaSportsNetwork.com as well as their YouTube channel. DG, what's happening, brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing great, Des. Always good to be with you. So, you know, we always do the uh, sports buffet with DG. 
And uh, sometimes we'll have guest hosts sitting in a spot, but that's uh, his thing here. And it gives me an opportunity to bounce around to multiple topics while I've got him uh, on the air with us. And I got to start off with our Charlotte Hornets. I I rarely get a chance to start off with Charlotte. Um, (laughs) So I want to take advantage of it. (laughs) They have won four straight um, after coming back from a a really long all-star break. We'll touch on all-star weekend here in a second, too. Um, Long all-star break. They came back Thursday night uh, and defeated the Utah Jazz uh, on the road. Uh, for their fourth straight uh, since really, really they haven't lost since they pulled the trigger on those trades at the trade deadline for Grant Williams and Seth Curry and Davis Bertrand and, and those guys. What do you think is happening here? Uh, that's been so different for the Hornets uh, still, if I'm not mistaken, still without Mark Williams uh, back issues. I don't believe Lamella ball has come back yet either uh, with right. his ankle. So they don't have two of their normal five starters. What's the difference in these Hornets right now after uh, those trades? I think Miles Bridges is playing really, really well. Um, he has had a complicated life off the court, obviously, and he was actually great in that Utah game with 26 points and 14 rebounds. You, you know the deal, man. When the Hornets in at rare times in their history have just a couple of the better players in the NBA, hasn't happened often, but if you have Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning at the same time, you're relevant in a way that the Hornets have not been very often. Yeah. And when Ball is healthy, uh, that doesn't explain this recent run, but when Ball is healthy and, of course, Bridges is under contract and Brandon Miller is a young star who also had a good game against the Utah Jazz in that win you mentioned and has played well during this winning streak, you're at least getting closer to having a nucleus under contract that can give fans some optimism toward next year. And I don't know how often we've said Hornets fans were optimistic looking into a season, um, but with those building blocks plus a healthy Mark Williams down low, um, at least you could view the Hornets as a potential playoff candidate next season, which is not something I would have said going into most of the last half a dozen years. Yeah, and I, I, that core is what I'm trying to figure out now because it's kind of turned it on its head. Uh, Grant Williams feels like he's almost like the middle linebacker uh, for their defense. Their defense is so much better um, with them on there. Uh, of course, Seth Curry playing at home. I saw he's wearing number 30, which was his dad's Dell, uh, his jersey when he played for Charlotte. So that that is a feel-good story, too, and he seems to be playing well. They just seem to be more organized. Um, and I saw a comment from Miles Bridges from – uh, post game last night where he was basically saying, you know, the biggest difference is that um, Charlotte was down 94 88 in that game and then went on a 14 to nothing run uh, in the fourth to, to take a 102 94 lead with about five minutes remaining. And Bridges was like earlier in the year, we would have just gave up and let them run away with it. Yeah. But uh, he said, and I quote, but you know, we've got veteran guys in our locker room now winning players and we got it done. Unquote. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a shot towards a Terry Rogier or Gordon Hayward uh, who were vets that were here, but they simply hadn't really won anything um, in their careers, really. Um, I know Rogier was with the Celtics, and they did a little playoff run when he was there, and I think the same with Hayward in Utah. But, again, it, I understand what he's saying. It, uh, Terry Rogier kind of said something similar in Miami when he left Charlotte that first week. He was like, is this a different locker room here where the vibe is that they expect to win, where in Charlotte they were expecting to lose, and it was kind of infectious. So maybe they're turning a page a little bit here in terms of, what they can be, um, they do have a very interesting young nucleus. I will say out loud, I'm very worried about Mark Williams because when you have back injuries, that typically doesn't go the other direction. Usually it yeah. keeps going one way, and he's so young. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, your thoughts on the All-Star game? Because we've we've heard 
pretty much a, a consensus that it, it was horrible. Um, I actually, it's funny, DG, I actually landed on it by accident at the very beginning of the game. Uh, Sunday night, it wasn't really anything on. Of course, football's over with. Wasn't any college basketball or anything like that. I don't go on. And I landed on it, and I was sitting there for a minute, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch this. And I just, I, I literally left like three minutes after yep. I got there. I didn't even watch a single minute of the game. And then the next morning, I see the highlights, and uh, the Eastern Conference scored 211 points in an All-Star game. It looked like there was no defense. Can they fix this? Is there a way to fix the NBA All-Star game in your mind? There are ways to experiment for sure, but I feel the way you felt. In fact, with the exception of the Major League Baseball All-Star game, which I do watch sometimes as a guy who grew up as a baseball player, and that was kind of the first sport that I fell in love with, and there have been some good baseball All-Star games, I really don't get into the Pro Bowl in the NFL. I really don't get into the NHL All-Star game. You know, sometimes the skills competitions in basketball or hockey or even football now can be intriguing. But the games themselves get to the point where they stop looking like the actual sport. Yeah. If you <laughs> if you truly play matador defense in hockey or football or basketball, it stops looking like the sport. And everybody loves a good dunk or, or an alley-oop or whatever, but I think people can even hit a saturation point when it comes to those things uh, or the 30-foot three-pointer. Like, they're all fun. They're spectacles. Yeah. It's amazing, and these are incredible athletes, these NBA guys. But, you know, one one option is to put a financial cent- incentive out there. If if you whether it's to line your pockets or line the pockets of your favorite charity, you know, the losing team gets X donated per player and the winning team gets a lot more than X, <laughs> you know, 10 <laughs> times X. I don't know what those numbers are, but it, it it's a shame that it always has to boil down to money. But whether it's money or something else, you have to incentivize effort. And right now, there's no incentive to defend, in part because nobody wants to get hurt. And, you know, nobody wants to be the one guy that slows down this circus-like spectacle of dunks and three-pointers and other offensive fireworks. Minnesota's Anthony Edwards, uh, one of the rising stars in the league, he commented that it would take a million dollars for him to compete in the, all, in the slam dunk contest. Um, Stephen A. Smith had a take earlier this week that LeBron James has basically single-handedly destroyed the dunk contest by not participating in it. Um, and I thought back on it, and I'm like, you know what? He's kind of right because he kind of made it not very important to him in terms of resume, where when I was a kid, if you were one of the top stars in the league, that was like the de facto like event you had to at least compete yeah. in it, um, whether it was Jordan or Dominique Wilkins or even later on Kobe Bryant participated in it. And LeBron's never done it. And because of it, I think uh, we're going to get robbed. Of, we're never going to see John Morant in a, a dunk contest. We're never going to see Zion Williamson in a dunk contest. Like, if it was Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson, and John Morant in the slam dunk contest on Saturday night, that's that's pretty good stuff. Like, I'm staying up to watch that. Uh, but they don't have an interest in watching it because the, their idol is LeBron James, you know, and right. he never did it. So if it's not important to him, why should they do it? Um, and the risk of being embarrassed because the past couple of years – really after the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine dunk contest, um, the first one, they just haven't really – that might have been the peak because I don't know what yep. they could do to top uh, that one. <laughs> um, but the three-point contest, that's pure. So that kind of stays pretty relevant, and that seemed to be the crown jewel of the weekend was the three-point contest and the Sabrina Anescu versus Steph Curry uh, duel, which was pretty fun. 
but yeah, the all-star game, I saw somebody mention maybe going like the way of the big three and do three on three tournaments where stars can pick two players from off the roster. They compete against each other. The winning three man team gets a pie of money of whatever. And maybe that works, but I, I honestly don't know if it's fixable. Um, I haven't watched it. I think the last all-star game I watched Kobe Bryant was still playing. Um, it's the one where LeBron had the, the, the shot and then he decided to pass it and they all came him, Carmelo and all came over to him. Like, why did you pass the ball? Or whatever? That's like one of the last times I ever watched the all-star game. So um, got David Glenn with us here from the North Carolina sports network. Go follow the work at North Carolina sports network.com. Subscribe to their YouTube channel. Uh, college football playoff committee made big noise this week. Uh, going to a five plus seven college football playoff model. It was six and six before, but of course, with the implosion of the Pac-12, uh, there aren't six major or there there aren't five major uh, conferences anymore. It's really four. So it's the top four: SEC, Big Twelve, Big Ten, ACC, plus uh, the highest ranked group of five uh, conference will get those first slots. I, I'm not. I'm happy to move into twelve. I love the format, like everything about it. But this made me question the relevancy of Notre Dame at this point because uh, I heard this earlier earlier this week, and I, I hadn't really thought about it, but Notre Dame hasn't won a national championship in like 36 years. Um, they've been in the national championship, but gotten blitzed uh, when, they, when they got there. Is this college football basically saying Notre Dame is not Notre Dame anymore? We don't have to cater to Notre Dame. Notre Dame needs to cater to us because if you don't know, you can't get a buy unless you're in those first four slots. You can't get one of the first four slots unless you're a conference champion. Notre Dame is an independent and a proud one at that. They are not in a conference, but if my understanding is correct, if they choose to join a conference for football, the ACC has first dibs. So your thoughts on all this and how it affects Notre Dame uh, going forward, because it felt like it was kind of them pointing at Notre Dame, like you need to choose, like what are you guys going to do going forward? Yeah, part of Notre Dame's agreement with the Atlantic Coast Conference is that if the Irish give up their football independence, they will do so with the ACC. That promise is all the way through 2036, just like the length of the grant of rights and and other important things that we've been following in the FSU-ACC dueling lawsuits. But what's interesting about this new playoff format is we've talked about this topic before, Des, but there's basically three reasons that, Flor- that that Notre Dame has insisted on its football independence. I should say three factors that could change their desire to remain independent. And this is out of the mouths of their athletic directors, not my speculation. They've always said they need a home for all their other sports. If that were jeopardized, that could change their mind. Of course, they're safe because they're an ACC member in all those other sports. Yeah. If their financial TV deals ever were going down or were otherwise not as lucrative, that would make them re-examine joining a conference. That's not in play right now because the NBC deal is well into the future and it's a very lucrative deal. The third prong that they've always said, if our road to a national championship were jeopardized, that is the only other thing that when they poll their own fan bases, a huge percentage cherish their football independence for a lot of different reasons, history, scheduling, et cetera. Now, does the, imagine if Notre Dame goes 12-0 and in the regular season and their fans see them as the five seed in exactly. a 12-team playoff. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to go over well. No. <laughs> you, you, did, you do not get the same bump that a 12-0 and team in a conference would get, assuming that team wins its conference title game, et cetera. So – 
you know, because it's a 12-team bracket, at least for now, the Irish, the door is not shut on the Irish. They can still get in. The question becomes, how much are they bothered by a more difficult road than they would get if they somehow ran the table, you know, as a member of a conference? I don't think it'll be enough to get them to change their football independence, but it is one of the three things they've mentioned all along as as, uh, exactly the elements that they look at. Uh, when it comes to jeopardizing that independence. David Glenn joining us here on Franchise Players here in the Sports Buffet. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like if I'm the ACC, the, now it's the time to strike. Like, you know, now I'm on the phone with Notre Dame every morning. Like, look, we let's figure something out where you can still keep your TV deal with Peacock. If I'm not mistaken, Notre Dame, they have pockets of games where they're not all shown on Peacock. Like, And then like ESPN or ABC or whoever, they scramble to kind of get those. Um, have something figure out where those games come to the ACC and they can put that on ACC network and that's extra revenue. Now you can go to ESPN and renegotiate some things. And I feel like if you can get Notre Dame in as a full fledged member, the, the Florida state stuff, the Clemson stuff, the, the, the moving out, whatever that goes away. Cause at that point, the league is at what? Cause you're bringing in three more teams next year. The 18, we'd be at 18 teams. If Notre Dame came in and something else I was thinking about too, what if that's one of the reasons why they brought in Stanford? Because it didn't really make any sense on the surface to bring them in. But Stanford's a national, a, a natural rival to Notre Dame, and they're always scheduling against each other. If they're in the same conference, that makes it a little bit easier to schedule. So maybe there was some reasoning that if we bring in one of their their you know rivals, it's a little bit easier for them to go, okay, we'll still have this Stanford rivalry here. And when they were in the league in 2020, it worked out. Like, I mean, their argument didn't really work. Like, they made it to the college football playoff. They were one of the top teams in the country. Um, so, I don't know. I Again, going back to the beginning of this, Notre Dame's not really relevant in my mind anymore because last time they won a national championship, Rocket Ismail was running back <laughs> Tim Brown. And I mean, they, I was Tim watching Brown, that team. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it was a while ago. That was Lou Holtz coaching that team. So, um, before I get you out of here, though, I want to talk about the ACC hoops. Big weekend for the big four. Uh, got some big matchups to talk about here starting off two o'clock p.m on espn on saturday this is a big one actually eighth ranked duke they're 12 and 3 in the acc they they're they're, eh, they're they're tied with carolina but really they're a half game back because carolina has the tiebreaker uh taking on a wake forest team that's nine and six in the acc i believe they've only lost once at home uh they have an incredible home record underneath head coach steve forbes that's a yep. sneaky game for duke uh, in my opinion especially with it being at the joel Thoughts on that one, and can um, Wake needs that win. Uh, they need that win a lot more than Duke does in terms of they seem pretty secure. I know that win, the other that blowout they had the other night, pushed them up the net, uh, which I still can't figure the net out. And yeah. maybe Wake has because Wake's been blowing people out, and they keep moving up every time they do. Um, they moved up to like into the, the top 30, if I'm not mistaken, in the net. So Correct. they can't afford to lose it. But if they can win against Duke at home, that's a that's a quad one win for them. Um can Wake beat Duke? Because uh, Duke is playing really well right now. Yeah, Duke is playing well. I think the Devils are 16-2 and two in their last 18 games. But uh, they are a young team, the Blue Devils, and they have not played quite as well on the road as they have played at home. And as you mentioned, Wake has been one of the best teams at home in the entire ACC this season. I just had Hunter Salas, who's going to make the All-ACC team on the David Glenn Show this week. And we talked about that home court advantage at the Joel. And I believe the Deeks, as we speak, are 14-0 and at home this season. The only undefeated home team 
in the entire ACC and among only, you know, a relatively small number nationally. So Steve Forbes over four years has been good at home. Steve Forbes this season has been at his best at home. And I think the Deeks are for real. The challenge, though, Des, as all these conspiracy theories are flying around that, you know, the bracketologists are disrespecting the, the ACC and the selection committee has been disrespecting the ACC. Here's the bottom line. Wake has exactly two victories over teams that we know are going to make the NCAA tournament. They beat the Florida Gators and they beat the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, they have other nice wins. They just crushed Pitt, right? They beat Virginia Tech. They beat Miami. They beat Syracuse. But when you are in late February and you only have two wins over teams that are guaranteed to make the NCAA tournament, you need to upgrade your resume. Otherwise, you could still make it, but you're begging to get in. Yeah, Take the begging out of the equation. Take all the conspiracy theories out of the equation. You got to either beat Duke and Winston-Salem this weekend or beat Clemson and Winston-Salem later this season. Those are your last two chances in the regular season for a signature victory. And again, it's not bias. It's not anti-ACC bias. You need more than two wins. You yeah, know? you really do. Like that, that is not a new concept. You need wins over tournament caliber teams. And as much as I respect the Deacon season, Heck, I like Andrew Carr. I like Boopy Miller. I like Cam Hildreth. Uh, I like Efton Reed, man. It's a fun team to watch. But what what does the committee start with? Who? What are your best wins? Yeah. And all of those best wins, by the way, were at home. The Deeks just do not have valuable road wins other than Florida, valuable non-conference wins. And beating either Duke or Clemson, I think, would take them from this daily bubble status to something where they can actually exhale a little bit when they head to the ACC tournament. Clemson's kind of one of those weird teams in the middle of the pack of the ACC where they came in red hot non-conference and kind of tailed off a little bit. feels like they've kind of righted the ship a little bit now. They're 8-7 and seven in the ACC. They take on Florida State, 7.45 p.m. Uh, I believe that's a – I want to say it's a CW game since it's 7.45. They have weird uh, start times. Um, two o'clock, uh, PM on ACC network before I get you out of here, uh, Boston college visiting NC state, NC state, they desperately need a win. I'm hearing Kevin Keats on the hot seat at this point. Um, they just haven't really turned the corner. I think a lot of people expected NC state to be next up after Roy Williams retired, coach K retired. Keats kind of knows the portal, you know, you know how to get around that kind of thing. And it feels like they're just kind of, uh, standing in place really. Uh, and then you've got the big one at four o'clock. Tenth ranked North Carolina uh, travels to Virginia. Virginia, um, I can't figure. Well, mm. Virginia feels like Virginia when they can't score. That's pretty much because <laughs> other than 2018, 2019, when they had like three NBA first rounders playing and they could score, uh, like DeAndre Hunter and those guys, they're right back to where they were. Forty five point games, can't score. It's a rock fight. You're playing in mud type thing. I'm kind of expecting that for them tonight or Saturday versus Carolina. Uh, give me a, who's your key player to watch for Carolina to get out of uh, Charlottesville with a win because it is a tough place for Carolina to play. It's not been kind to the Tar Heels as of late. It is. Armando Baycott at times has been able to really pound the Cavaliers inside. Um, they do have obviously great defensive players, uh, but neither Ryan Dunn, a forward, or Reese Beekman, a guard, is going to be on Armando Baycott very much. So the heels need to go back to their old school, pound it down low. And then if Baycott gets double teamed, uh, he's become much better at passing out of the double team and finding that open man for a three-point shooter. 
Um, but UVA, remember, just had the nation's longest home winning streak. The Cavs had won 23 in a row at the JPJ until Pitt beat them uh, within the last week or so. Pitt's um, another one of those teams, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Cavs, you know, the heels are – this Carolina team is playing better defense than most Carolina teams we've seen in the last 20 years. And because Virginia at times really loses its confidence offensively, the heels have to try to expose that. I mean, Virginia's going to make the NCAA tournament, but they've been blown out of a lot of games, mostly yeah. on the road. For what you know, for whatever reason, they just play a lot better at home, and the heels have to go to Charlottesville, as you said. But yeah, R.J. Davis outside, uh, and and Armando Baycott inside, and then D up. The, the way the Heels, I think, have played as well defensively as anybody in the ACC this season, including Virginia. That's the recipe to get a win. But as you said earlier, where Wake needs the win over Duke even more than Duke needs that win, I think UVA needs the win over Carolina Oh yeah, even, even more than Carolina needs the win because the Heels are up there on that two-seed line and the Devils are up there on the three-seed line. Teams like Virginia and Wake, you know, they're, they're in a nice place, but they need to win to become in a comfortable place. I did see um, this morning, I guess, uh, Arizona lost late last night. So I've seen some people uh, flip Carolina to that last one seed and Arizona's the top two seed now. So the next week, two weeks are going to be super important. Uh, of course, Carolina still has a tilt with Duke uh, week from a weekend from next or weekend from this one upcoming uh, and then the ACC tournament itself. So um, we'll get all that and more. Uh, follow DG on Twitter at David Glenn show. Um, go check out their work on their uh, YouTube channel at North Carolina Sports Network. Uh, brand new interviews up right now for the David Glenn Show. Uh, and DG, always a pleasure to have you, man. Always fun, Des. Keep up the good work. Good to be with you. Coming up, drop the mic host Michael Davis to give us a WWE Elimination Chamber preview. Back in just a bit, franchise players here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. In professional sports, a franchise player is an athlete who is not simply the best player on their team but one that the team can build their franchise around for the foreseeable future. Welcome back to Franchise Players here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Appreciate David Glenn stopping by for his uh, bi-weekly joint to the sports buffet. And, of course, shout out to East Forsyth's Taylor Williams, the first women's wrestling champion, 4A division uh, first women's world, uh, wrestling champion in state history since her match ended first uh, at Coliseum last uh, week. She's the answer to a trivia question. So shout out to East Forsyth sophomore Taylor Williams, who won uh, the women's wrestling state championship uh, last weekend and was with us earlier uh, in the show. Joining us right now is the Drop the Mic uh, podcast host, Michael Davis. And uh, I like to bring in my WWE folks whenever we're close to a pay-per-view. WWE Elimination Chamber this Saturday, 5 a.m. from Perth, Australia. For those stressing about having to get up at 5 a.m., just wake up when you wake up and watch it then because <laughs> it's not going to – nothing's going to be spoiled between now and then. Just don't get on Facebook or Twitter before you start watching it probably. Uh, Mike, what's happening, brother? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I mentioned that on Drop the Mic. I'm like the hardest thing to do is to like not look at your phone and me. Yeah, when you first when you wake, wake up, up. Yeah, just don't even look at it. Just I'm, get up. And I'm start. telling you, <laughs> if you're listening to the show and you text me a spoiler, we're, uh, we're not friends. We're not JP friends. Mundy. JP Mundy, wherever you are, do not text me spoilers for this because he's the type that will text me spoilers at six. He'll wake up at six in the morning just to text me a spoiler and go back to sleep. So um, let's look at the rundown of the matches here. Let's start off before we get to elimination chamber matches. Um, 
the women's world championship match, Rhea Ripley uh, champ versus Nia Jax. Your thoughts on this matchup and how it's going to go? Well, I think it's pretty obvious how it's going to go. I don't see Rhea Ripley dropping the championship this close to WrestleMania. Uh, but it was interesting uh, last night during the press conference. They had a press conference in Australia at 11 p.m. Eastern. Like that's uh, that, that's another thing you got to get used to. Uh, Nia Jax actually mentioned she was born in Australia. Really? So, yeah. So it's like hometown versus hometown. But I still feel like Nia Jax is going to get booed because – Everybody loves Rhea. That is Rhea's like hometown where she grew yeah. up and everything. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see Rhea losing this title anytime soon. It feels like they're building to uh, Rhea Ripley versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, and we'll get to the Elimination Chamber match in just a bit. Um, the undisputed tag team championships: Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest taking on British Strong Style. Yeah, Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate. I love the work they were doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Went to Charlotte a couple weeks ago for Friday Night SmackDown and got to see them defeat DIY, or as our truth calls them, DX. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Our truth, by the way, is 55 years old and still looks like wow, that's incredible. Ron Killings, he's been around forever too. People forget he was an NWA World Champion. Like the stuff he does in WWE is all comedic now, but uh, he he was out there like for a while. but yeah, uh, he's he's still looking for uh uh for Nick Mysterio and <laughs> and Tom Tom where's Tom, where's Tom? Tom. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you think uh, think title changes hands here? or Judgment Day goes to WrestleMania as tag champs. Uh, I don't think the titles change hands here. Um, I hope they eventually split these tag titles up. But the way that I'm seeing it going, and you guys can keep the receipts for in six weeks when I'm right. I feel like Judgment Day retains here and as a result they get the Miz and R-Truth actually gelling as a tag team so it's Judgment Day versus Awesome Truth at Wrestlemania and hopefully R-Truth gets his well-deserved Wrestlemania moment because he's never had one Hmm. I I hadn't thought about that yeah so um, I don't know I have a theory about what they're going to do with Rock and, and Roman Reigns. We'll get to that in just a bit, though. But I think it's going to have to do with the tag titles, too. Uh, this just added the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, the Kabuki Warriors, the champs taking on Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. That's on the kickoff show. Uh, yeah, That's going to be a squash, I think. <laughs> yeah. Indy Hartwell is a, uh Australian as well, so she'll get to perform in front yeah. of her hometown crowd. But, yeah, it's, it's probably not going to look as good for her as it does Rhea Ripley. I don't think Indy gets the uh, – hometown oh my gosh we had the cinderella win because dude who's stopping oscar and Kyrie saying like for real yeah they're both nuts um and they're kind of bringing some prestige to the tag titles uh looking to see who they build maybe bianca and uh and 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 jade cargill maybe maybe they build those two together to take them on at wrestlemania who knows um then you get uh i think uh, the grayson waller effect with cody rhodes and seth rollins do you expect any surprises on this uh rock claims he is not going to be anywhere near australia for this event roman reigns does not want to go to australia for this event could paul Heyman make an appearance or the bloodline make an appearance during uh the segment yeah i've went back and forth on this like i've been like okay you can surprise the australian fan base but wouldn't you want to promote the rock showing up or wouldn't you want to promote roman reigns showing up right uh, so that that's my thing uh if if Seth Rollins is there and Cody Rhodes is there, I could see 
Paul Heyman coming in to stir the pot a little bit, or maybe even Jimmy Uso before Solo Sokoa comes in and attacks, but isn't successful. And Seth and Cody like stand tall at the end. Yeah, because I thought they could maybe even throw in because neither Cody or Seth are wrestling at this event. I thought maybe they might throw in a surprise of Seth and Cody versus Jimmy and Solo or something like that, like as a tag match or something that gets built up from the Waller effect thing. And maybe that does happen. I don't know, but uh, I don't think I think that I don't think they want to risk Seth getting further injured between now and WrestleMania by having to wrestle uh, ahead of time. And I, I believe they they were saying that he'll be ready for WrestleMania. So um, let's get into the main. Two events, uh, the Elimination Chamber women's uh, match. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair versus Liv Morgan versus Tiffany Stratton versus Naomi versus Raquel Rodriguez, who got the last spot uh, this past Monday on Raw. Who's your favorite to win that one? Stacked car, by the way. You mentioned it. but Yeah, it really is a stacked chamber. I'm shocked they left Jade Cargill out of this. I felt like this would have been a perfect time to either start. You mentioned a tag team with Bianca. I think they could do a feud, Bianca Belair versus Jade Cargill at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. I feel like that Mm -hmm. would be a good money dream match. Uh, So I was really shocked to see Raquel Rodriguez, but she's been through a lot of health issues and she's been able to come back. So I'm I'm happy for her. Uh, But yeah, as as soon as we saw Becky Lynch and Rhea Ripley stand face-to-face at the press conference in Vegas a few weeks ago, I was like, okay, that's your match. Like, you just spoiled that giveaway. Yeah. So I was like, why, why'd you do that? You know, like, they, there's no shot. Months too, yeah, backstage. They've been teasing that potential, really, for the past year. <laughs> They've been teasing that whenever they run across each other backstage. They just kind of have to stare down or whatever, and they'll, you know, I'll see you soon, and I don't need that belt and that kind of stuff going on. So, uh, yeah, they've been saving Becky and uh, Rhea for – WrestleMania. Um, WrestleMania is shaping up to be a huge uh, situation for the Judgment Day, uh, to be honest, uh, going into it with what they've got going on. Don't forget, Damian Priest still has that briefcase. Uh, so uh, finally, the men's elimination chamber. This is a, this is one of the more loaded elimination chamber matches I can think of. Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton versus Bobby Lashley versus LA Knight versus Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul. Um, who's your favorite men matchup? Yeah, you're you're mentioning they they stack both these elimination chamber matches. Yeah, I, I am I am so happy, but I still I'm still going back and forth on who wins. So like I don't think it's Bobby Lashley because he's got a thing with Karrion Cross right now. Logan Paul has the United States title. I'm assuming my hope is it's Logan Paul versus LA Knight for the US title. That might get uh, that set leaves, up. I might get set up at this event actually, since they're both in that that match. Exactly. That yeah. that leaves Kevin Owens. That leaves Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. And everybody's saying Drew, Des, but if Drew hasn't re-signed with the company, why would you put him in one of your main events at WrestleMania for the World yeah. Heavyweight title? Especially knowing that Seth is hurt, might need time off, so you're probably putting the title on Drew. Like, you don't put him in that spot unless he's re-signed, so... He's either secretly re-signed a contract with WWE or they're they're dumb if they put Drew McIntyre in that spot. So I'm I'm honestly thinking Randy Orton. And here here's why. Mm. Seth Rollins wanted to wrestle Cody in the World Heavyweight Championship match at WrestleMania because Cody beat Seth Rollins a couple years ago at WrestleMania. There's yeah. a redemption factor to that. Well, about nine years ago, Seth Rollins lost to Randy Orton 
at WrestleMania 31. So oh, that's right. Okay. There, that, uh, that, um, that RKO uh, that he did uh, where he was going for the curb stomp. And he, yeah, yeah. Is that, <laughs> is that the best wrestling. RKO? I think is that's that the, the best RKO. RKO, yeah. Yeah, and that opened that WrestleMania too. So, hmm. Mm. So, so that's why I'm like, I could see Drew, but if Drew wins, he's re-signed, and they don't have any worries about it. But Randy Orton, you could easily trust him to beat Seth Rollins clean face-to-face, like handshake afterwards, and then try to figure out who you want the title to go on next after Randy Orton. I got to admit, having Kevin Owens in this matchup, at, my, at first glance, I was like, well, he's there for the big spot. There's going to be a big spot. Kevin Owens typically takes that big spot. But now I'm thinking back over it over the year, him losing to, because I didn't think he was going to lose to Logan Paul uh, last pay-per-view. I thought they were going to put the U.S. title on him. Uh, when he didn't, I made me start thinking, and then they put him in this. Like, would they do Rollins versus Owens at WrestleMania and let Owens become world heavyweight champion? Because he he's kind of a workhorse. They need somebody like that. He's a babyface at this point. It, Drew is the likely candidate because of the storyline and what they've been doing. They've really been positioning Drew as like this kind of real type of person. Like, he's he's reacting the way a real person would to the things that have happened to him. Like, he refuses to, to forgive Jay Uso because of what happened for a year and a half of him getting jumped by the bloodline, which makes complete and total sense. He doesn't trust Jay, which he probably shouldn't. Um, he doesn't he doesn't care for Rollins. He, he doesn't care for like he he's very real in terms of the way of his character has been portrayed. And I think that's why he's probably gonna end up staying. I can't see him being all elite or anything like that anytime. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think we're gonna see that graphic pop up anytime soon, but the Seth versus drew at WrestleMania really do it for you. Um, in terms of a main event, like I guess, and drew never really had his time to shine as champ with the actual audience. Um, so I do get that aspect of it as well. Deep down, though, I'd love for it to be Bobby Lashley. To be to be honest, uh, you're a big Lashley guy. I'm a huge Bobby you're, Lashley you're fan. Big Lashley. Like especially when they, well, I'm a Bobby Lashley fan when he has a, a group like like the way the Hurt Business was originally set up, and the way this one, I don't know what they're not really giving it a name, but they they added B Fab to it, which I didn't understand either. But whatever, <laughs> as long as he's if he has a group with him, then I love Bobby Lashley in that role. Um, and I could see them moving him over to to Raw. If he won the title and they could clash with Judgment Day like that, I mean, that kind of works for itself. You know, then you can do a Bobby Lashley, Damon, Damian Priest type of thing because Damian doesn't really have anybody like that to go up with right now. He's got the case. So I can see that kind of thing happening if they decide to pivot that way. But on the other hand, um, I just don't know for sure if they want to step away from Drew doing this. It feels like they've already kind of set up the steps for what's going to happen for WrestleMania. It's going to be Seth and Drew. Uh, it'll be Rock and Cody. I mean, not Rock, uh, Reigns and Cody. I'm not sure where The Rock fits in on all this um, because they'll be doing something on these nights. Maybe ends up being the special referee or something like that, which would piss off all the Cody uh, crybabies out there if uh, if that ends up happening. Um, I will say real quick before we get out of here, everyone's still talking about that Rock promo, that heel promo from a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown. A couple of things I need to address that's been going around online. A- Rock was not, yeah, the the the, the thing, that was the first time he ever did it. That's all it means. Like, if you go back and watch the Bloodline when Solo first joined or when they kind of first started, they were all over the place with that point. Like, they, they didn't have it uniform. You could tell somewhere along the line, somebody was like, look, we got to get this figured out. It's the right hand. It's this thing. You put your thumb in. Like, so we all look uniform. Nobody said that to The Rock. That's all that was. He just, it wasn't, there wasn't a sign really? or anything like that. Okay. Yeah. The other thing 
is everyone keeps saying he was looking at the rock when he was saying, I'm going to make sure you're a loser when you come out of WrestleMania. I've watched that scene five times. He's not looking at the rock. He's looking at the hard camera that's on the, the side over there. Like he's, if you're the rock, he's looking over here. It just looks like it in yeah. that still frame. He's looking at the rock and he's not. So it's like that, those two things, they're not doing this for the rock to turn on reigns at this WrestleMania. I honestly feel like they are going to redo the two man power trip uh, storyline that stone cold and triple H did a couple years back with rock and Roman, where I could see the rock becoming world heavyweight champion uh, somewhere in the next couple of months, like a backlash. Wow. Like I can see him challenging whoever wins comes out of WrestleMania. He goes and gets that belt. And then they go and beat uh, judgment day for the tag titles too. And, and it's Roman with uh, the universal title rock with the world heavyweight title. They're both tag team champs. And they just have all the gold and they, and they just send out bloodline to just beat up people like for whatever. And then one's going to get jealous of the other. And that's, what's going to start the rift, but that's a long story. That's something that goes to WrestleMania 41. And that's kind of, that's better because by the time we get to 41 reigns will have already passed Hogan. Uh, They're not going to let him keep it long enough to go past. um, uh, What's his name? Um, Bruno. Bruno. Yeah. It's like, it's like 2500 it, days or something like that yeah he's not gonna <laughs> it's like seven years like he's not gonna be able to get there but he, they, he's close enough to get past hogan so they're gonna let him do that and i think right around SummerSlam, the riff will start and just over time it, it'll be like well who's Heyman really aligned with he's with the rock is he with roman that kind of thing who maybe jay comes back maybe bringing some of these younger for twos like there's all kinds of ways they can go but they got a year of storyline they can do with this with the uh, bloodline so that's my thought yep. on what's going to end up happening there they're so intricate with their storytelling. Like yes. I'm not even sure like if that isn't a sign or if that was just the rock being, just, you know, yeah, just I'm not complacent or whatever, but yeah. I can't wait for Cody to win back-to-back Royal Rumbles and then lose this. It's going to happen. Like everyone's like, Oh, he's got to finish his story. What if this story finishes with him losing? <laughs> Cause that could happen too. It's like, it's not guaranteed. They're going to give you Seth. Uh, not Seth, uh, Cody is champion. They didn't write three years of storyline for the bloodline for it to end with him losing to Cody 200 days short of beating Hogan's record. It just doesn't make any sense. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. The whole bloodline is designed around Roman Reigns being champ. Like if you really think about it, like he's not, he, they haven't had the bloodline without him being champ, you know? So it all thing works because he's the champ. So um, we, we ran over, uh, I got to get you out of here. Uh, franchise players were good for Friday. Uh, February 23rd, 2024. Uh, watch Drop the Mic podcast on our YouTube channel, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. You can also hear it throughout the week on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. And we'll have some announcements coming up here soon about some programming, I think, uh, coming up here real soon. Uh, regard Mike, some exciting stuff coming on. So uh, just check us out there. We will see you guys next week.